That is not an appropriate trade-off. Welcome back to Lyrics for Lunch, the show that accidentally introduces you to all of the racism in music these days. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> or those days, all the days. <laughs> Every day. Past, present, future. I'm Lindsay Tucker. Uh, I'm here with host Aviv Rubenstein, and today he's going to be teaching us about a song that I've never fucking heard. Oh, blessed that you've never heard. <laughs> Count yourself lucky. Enjoy the last like five minutes of of your life n- having never heard this oh, song. Because no. everything after this will be the your life after having heard this song. Which is called? Today we're going to be talking about one of the worst ideas of 2013. Bra- the Brad Paisley LL Cool J country hip-hop single, Accidental Racist. Country hip hop single "Accidental Racist." Wow. Yes. So, so have you heard of this song before? No. You haven't heard the song. No. You've never even heard of the song. No. When you said it was a song, I was like, "Is this like a parody song about nope. you know?" Oh, this is. Wait, wait, wait. This is the, <laughs> this is the part that I want to talk about. Okay, before we listen to the song, why don't you try to predict some of the stuff that with some of the lyrical content? Okay. New um, segment on the show new segment and this is ll cool j and brad paisley Lindsay, yeah Lindsay lohan Lindsay cool, lohan, and, brad cool j and brad i should have worn paisley. stripes paisley correct um brad houndstooth <laughs> i feel like it's gonna be like excuses for behaviors that white people do mm-hmm. that are clearly racist mm-hmm. and like it's not our fault mm-hmm and like, like somehow it seems like, and I've never heard the song or the lyrics, but just the title makes me feel like somehow he thinks it's okay to be accidentally racist because the, the onus isn't on him or us as white people to do the fucking work and understand our past and present and how actions actually affect other human fucking beings. Well, we'll see you next week, everyone. <laughs> Uh, let's take a listen to. What does Brad that mean? Pais- <laughs> it means you're pre- you're pretty close. Um, <laughs> so let's take a listen to Brad Paisley and LL Cool J's "Accidental Racist." Starbucks down on me. I hope the man that waited on me. I'm like already throwing up. When I, I hope you understand. The only thing I meant to what say t-shirt? I'm a Skinner fan. The red flag on my 
my chest somehow's like the elephant in the corner of the south. And I just walked Is he talking right about a Confederate flag? Oh, yeah. Just a proud rebel son with an old can of worms. Looking like I got a lot to learn. But from my point of view, I'm just a white man coming to you from the Southland. Trying to understand what it's like not to be. I'm proud of where I'm from, but not everything we've done. He's like, please forgive me for being a fucking ignorant idiot, but I'm not going to try to get smarter. Southern pride and southern blame. Southern pride and what? Southern, southern blame. blame. Oh my fucking god. They called it reconstruction. Fix the buildings, dried some tears. We're still sifting through the rubble. After 150 years, I try to put myself in your shoes. And that's a good place to begin It ain't like I can walk a mile In someone else's skin Cause I'm a white man Living in the Southland Just like you I'm sure this is not gonna happen But I just want LL Cool J to come in with like Fucking machine guns and blow this up <laughs> Well, you're about to Well, guess, get ready <laughs> Mr. White Man, I wish you understood what the world is really like when you're living in the hood. Just because my pants are sagging doesn't mean I'm up to no good. You should try to get to know me. I really wish you would. Now my chains are gold, but I'm still misunderstood. I wasn't there when Sherman's march turned the south into firewood. I want you to get paid, but be a slave, I never could. Feel like a newfangled jangle dodging invisible white hoods. So when I see that white cowboy hat, I'm thinking it's not all good. I guess we're both guilty of judging the cover, not the book. I'd love to buy you a beer, conversate and clear no. the air. But I see that red flag, and I think you wish I wasn't here. If you don't Come judge my new rag, I won't judge your red flag. What? Shouldn't. Can't rewrite history, baby. Oh, Dixie Land. The relationship. 
relationship between the Mason Dixon needs some fixing. I hope you understand what this is all about. Quite frankly, I'm a black Yankee, but I've been thinking about this lately. I'm a son of the new south. It passes the past, you feel me? And I just want to make things right. Let bygones be bygones. All that's left is southern pride. R.I.P. Robert E. Lee. I gotta thank Abraham Lincoln for freeing me. You know what I mean? Nope. It's real. It's real. Okay. It's true. Wow. I have questions, and I don't want to like ruin any of your. Oh no. Trajectory. Uh, you can you can ask the questions. I just might not answer them right now. Okay. I assume you're gonna <laughs> explain to me why the fuck. Brad Paisley decided that he had to do this to clear his conscience or the conscience of the Mm -hmm. fucking Southern community. Yep. I would love to know what is the deal with him and LL Cool J. Like, are they friends? That's a good question. Like, why is LL Cool J, Lindsay Lohan, um, the token black person in this song? Like, That's another very good question. Like, I just don't remember ever hearing LL Cool J involved in public conversations about Certainly not. Race. And as a human being, he's certainly entitled to be involved in them. But like, why did Brad choose Mm -hmm. him? (laughs) Good question. (laughs) So we're going to do a deep dive into the lyrics. But the narrative of the song is that Brad Paisley or the, the, the narrator of the song wore a shirt with a Confederate battle flag on it into a Starbucks, got some side eye from the barista and like went home and wrote a poem about it. And... So, okay. First of all, just real quick on the Confederate battle flag. The stars and bars, the thing that is constantly debated in this country of of its racist and like heritage, not hate and blah, 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 blah. That's not even the Confederate flag. That was the Confederate battle flag of South Carolina. The Confederate flag flag, like their, the flag of their nation or whatever, was a three-striped flag with a circle of stars on it. So it looked kind of like the original flag of the United States. Okay. So already we're like, mm, whatever, but sure. Uh, lyrics genius went, was really out for blood with this one. So we're going to do some lyrics genius like annotations for, for you, the rapid fire. So to the man that waited on me uh, at the Starbucks down in Maine, I hope you understand that when I put on that t-shirt, the only thing I meant to say is I'm a Skinnerd fan. So, Leonard Skinner, the band, frequently did use the stars and bars on their merchandise. But in 2012, the year before this song came out, they vowed to stop using the Confederate battle flag in their visuals, album covers, etc. So people would stop confusing them with racists. Oh, okay. So even Leonard Skinner is like, don't do this anymore. The red flag on my chest is somehow like the elephant in the corner of the south. Somehow, (laughs) somehow. Very yep. confused as to how. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> who, who <could've> done it? <laughs> the red flag on my chest somehow is like the elephant in the corner of the south. And I just walked him right in the room. 
like the elephant in the corner of the south no so this is from no. Luke's genius wait no one says elephant in the corner they say elephant in the room which is a trite cliche but what brad is trying to say is that somehow nobody wants to talk about the fact that he's wearing a confederate flag on his chest but it sure seems like brad wants to talk about it <laughs> brad literally walks the rebel flag into the room when he wears it on a t-shirt but he's also figuratively walking the elephant into the center of the metaphorical room by releasing the song <laughs> i told you lyrics genius is amazing on this it's so good just a proud rebel son with an old can of worms <laughs> looking That's what like he I said? Gotta, an old can a, of worms with an old can of worms yeah okay. looking like i got a lot to learn but from my point of view, I'm just a white man coming to you from the Southland trying to understand what it's like not to be. Are you really trying to understand? Because it doesn't sound like you're trying to understand at all. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm proud of where I'm from, but not everything we've done. And it ain't like you and me can rewrite history. So Lyric's genius takes issue with this, too saying in fact reducing the confederate flag the confederate battle flag to a symbol of skinnered fanboyism is rewriting history the confederate flag was raised above the state capitol in leonard skinner's hometown of a uh, home state of alabama by governor george wallace in 1963 as a part of his segregation forever campaign so this this only became a symbol of southern heritage i'm trying not to do the voice of southern heritage in a massive scare quotes in 1963 when george wallace was trying to keep black people from getting equal rights correct which which they still don't have uh in this country so child um ain't proud of all the things i've done ain't like you and me can write history our generation didn't start this nation and we're still paying for its mistakes that a bunch of folks made long ago before we came ding ding nope nope not true well tell me well what's wrong so we're just gonna forget about all the mistakes that are currently being made Mm, yeah all of the uh, what mistakes none there's no no mistakes are happening currently murders of black children black people unarmed black people and children no by why would we white men what does that have to do with the civil war Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was the wrong verse. Uh, Our generation didn't start this nation. We're still picking up the pieces, walking on eggshells, and fighting over yesterday. Walking on eggshells. Okay, this is like the most Mm gut-wrenching, like making me want to break things. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Are you walking on eggshells? Because actually, the people that are walking on eggshells are the people who can't walk down the street without fear of getting murdered. Yes. And so this is so this is I mean, we've touched on the real reason that I want to talk about this song in this episode, because critical race theory has been banned in many states. And, you know, if I were a teacher talking in a classroom right now, I could be in trouble for even bringing the subject up in certain states. But here's the deal. We uh, we are equating white people's discomfort, a level of white people's discomfort to be equal to people of color specifically black people having their lives taken from them and like we're like "Mm, we really are having like a debate over what's more important right now like are you fucking serious like how can you actually have this fucking thought in your pea brain that this would be uh, even uh, something to say out loud well not only did he say it he recorded it and put it out on a cd uh verse two 
They called it reconstruction, fixed the buildings, dried some tears, and were still sifting through the rubble after 150 years. So, weird that was a really really great little recap he gave us (laughs) yes so so weird coincidence spotting you're wrong about the the podcast has Mm -hmm. jameel Bowie on today this morning to talk about reconstruction oh interesting so this is like a quick explainer of what he had to say on you're wrong about but but it's an hour-long conversation so you should definitely listen to it it's really amazing and he's a, a really smart and wise person so basically after lincoln was assassinated andrew johnson took over the white house and he was the president during the end of the civil war and the beginning of reconstruction he was a horrible racist even for the time was like an ideological racist um and he returned the land to the plantation owners and created conditions that led to indentured servitude he basically was like no harm no foul to to the people who seceded from the union and he allowed the plantation class to like run for office which led to what are called black codes which basically like re-allowed slavery free men could only work as farmhands black children could be taken from their families and forced into labor so it was like they're like trying to recodify slavery under a different name right congress passes a uh equal rights bill or like a civil rights bill uh johnson vetoes it and tons of racial violence of white people against black people because black people wanted to do insane things like vote and not be killed in the street johnson was deeply unpopular so deeply unpopular that Congress was able to eventually override his veto and basically override everything he did. And that's when congressional reconstruction began. And then with the election of Ulysses S. Grant, black people gained more power in certain areas. So he was like, we're actually going to do reconstruction. We're going to make lives better for black people, which certain white racists and former Confederates really didn't like. And they decided to form a little group to like talk about how much they didn't like it. And that group is called the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, good God. And so the Justice Department is formed to curtail the reach of the Ku Klux Klan because they're like, well, this is kind of a problem. But the elite rich people don't like how much power black people are gaining at the time. And they put political pressure at the federal level for the Justice Department to basically abandon the enforcement of policing the Klan. And in 1872, Republicans, Ulysses S. Grant was a Republican at the time. If you're not that into American politics, long story short, Republicans were the progressive party of the time and Democrats were the ones that wanted slavery. And uh, in the mid 20th century, they flip flopped. So Republicans fracture in half, half of them thinking that the country was spending too much money on reconstructing the South. And they like pulled their funding because nothing ever changes. And so reconstruction was toppled by tense partisan competition and vigilante violence. Also, this is from Eric Foner at Columbia University. He says the Reconstruction era was many in the South are less than fond of the Reconstruction era, a decade of northern military occupation that ended with the notorious compromise of 1877. From the 1880s until the 1960s, Reconstruction was viewed by what compromised the 18. The Compromise of 1877 was an unwritten deal informally arranged among congressmen that settled the intensely disputed 1876 election of Rutherford B. Hayes, I believe. And it resulted in the, U- the, the federal government pulling the last occupying troops from the South. Okay. So the North was basically an occupying force keeping the peace in the South. And then 
in exchange for Rutherford B. Hayes's election, they're like, well, we'll just like, we'll pull out, right? Because nothing changes ever. Mm-hmm. Okay. So many in the South are less than fond of the Reconstruction era because it was Northern military occupation that ended during the Compromise of 1877. And then from the 1880s until the 1960s, Reconstruction was viewed by leading historians as a mistake, a period of unnecessary sectional tension and freewheeling graft and corruption. And since the 60s, historians have come to view Reconstruction differently as a period of unprecedented racial equality, though tragically one that could only be enforced at the tip of Northern bayonets. So... They were on the right track, I understand, you know, by, like, enforcing these progressive, for the time, even, honestly, even progressive by today's standards, new rules that were put upon the southern former plantation owners or the former Confederates, but, like, it was too little too late, frankly, because Johnson had already given them their power back. I don't know. It's it's all fucked up. But, yeah, uh, very glad that... That Mr. Paisley deeply, they called it Reconstruction, fixed some buildings, dried some tears. Literally, like, wow. Great, great. Yeah. I I tried to put myself in your shoes, and that's a good place to begin, but it ain't like I can walk a mile in someone else's skin. Well, that actually happened. If you had tried, you wouldn't have wrote this fucking song. So he's quoting, he's like kind of paraphrasing To Kill a Mockingbird, where Atticus Finch says that Scout, his daughter, can't understand one person until they climb into their skin and walk a mile in it. Do you think he really actually has read To Kill a Mockingbird, or he's just using every fucking cliche in the book, and it happens to correlate? Correspond. I think think he's like, oh, walk a mile in someone else's shoes, but I'm going to change to skin. Um, But actually, John Howard Griffith, I'm sorry, John Howard Griffin did exactly this during the late 1950s. He traveled around the South with his skin artificially darkened, and he wrote a book about it called Black Like Me. Right. So, like, y- be- read a book. Uh, read a Brad, book. Learn about Brad, books. <laughs> <laughs> learn about books. And then we get to the rap verse. So, for the, for the rap verse, I'm going to go over to Rembert Brown at Grantland. So, the rap verse starts... Dear Mr. White Man, I wish you understood what the world is really like while you're living when you're living in the hood. This is so it's just as equally as upsetting or maybe not quite as upsetting but almost as upsetting and it's it's just as fucking racist against black yes. people even though a black person is saying it. Yeah, and and LL Cool J spoilers for the rest of the episode. LL Cool J gets more shit than Brad Paisley for for this. Okay. Which I think is letting Paisley off the hook in, in kind of a Too toxic much. way. But so <laughs> Rembert Brown says, Damn it, LL, did you really have to start off with Dear Mr. White Man? His name's Brad. He's right there. Just call him Brad. You're allowed to. It's 2013. <laughs> yes. Quote, just because my pants are sagging doesn't mean I'm up to no good. You should try to get to know me. I really wish you would. Now my chains are gold, but I'm still misunderstood. Rembert says, I'll let you use this chains imagery once, LL, but no more. I beg of you, no more. (laughs) But there is another one. (laughs) At least one. (laughs) (laughs) I, I quote, I wasn't there when Sherman's march turned the South into firewood. I want you to get paid, but be a slave. I never could. So what we don't really have time to talk about Sherman's March, but general 
Tecumseh Sherman basically like did a scorched earth campaign through all of Georgia, basically burnt it to the ground. And LL Cool J is like, well, Brown says, just so you're clear, LL is saying that he wants white people to make money, but would appreciate it if it didn't come at the expense of his freedom from slavery. It seemed necessary to spell that out in case it went over your head. <laughs> what? Quote, yes, please keep going. I feel like a newfangled Django dodging invisible white hoods. So when I see that white cowboy hat, I'm thinking it's not all good. I guess we're both guilty of judging the cover, not the book. I'd like to buy you a beer, conversate, and clear the air. Brown says... I know that you know it's converse, but that blatant grammatical mistake isn't helping your case. Also true. Just dumbing himself down. Just like with the dear Mr. White Man. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it is we'll we'll hear from LL, but he LL Cool J is about to say the thing that it is that it isn't. He's like, it's not this Amos and Andy shit. It absolutely is this Amos and Andy shit. Quote, but I see that red flag and I think you wish I wasn't here. So that's L. Cool J, that's the end of L. Cool J's verse. As you can tell from the words, this is Rembert Brown. As you can tell from the words and the song as a whole, the message comes from a good place, a place of understanding, a place of a better tomorrow. It's the story of a black man and a white man trying to meet in the middle, learn each other's cultures, and put the past behind them. And if anyone appreciates what they're trying to do, it's me. Unfortunately for them, and only them, it's the funniest thing I've ever heard in a long time, and it gets better. <laughs> because now LL's doing his like ad libs over the final chorus and he says if you don't judge my do rag I won't judge your red flag like how are we equating mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. tell me <laughs> how are we equating a piece of clothing that has Hairstyle. a function it, well not for LL it doesn't because he is bald but, but yes but Ultimately, it was invented for a function. Uh huh. So we're con we're confused. We're comparing a piece yep. of hair clothing that has a function, or not perhaps it's fashion. Not even just if it's just fashion. Them, equating them. We're equating that with yeah, Confederate battle flag. Fucking Confederate flag. What's wrong? Um, <laughs> what's wrong? Rembert Brown says, I, on the other hand, will judge a 45-year-old do-rag-wearing do LL Cool J without hesitation. <laughs> also, he goes on, also, while I know this red flag LL speaks of is the Confederate stars and bars, there's a small part of me that wishes this whole thing were about the Turkish flag. <laughs> um, and then he says, the, the, the line of the song for me, which is, if you don't judge my gold chains... I'll forgive the iron ones. Yeah, I'll, that's, if, I said no. I'll, I'll forget the iron ones. The, Holy shit. Are you... That, that is not an appropriate trade-off. <laughs> the rap versus some of the worst both... This is me. The rap versus some of the worst both sidesism that I've ever heard. I won't judge... This is, this is exactly what you just, just said. I won't judge your flag that represents the enslavement of my people if you don't judge my do-rag. <laughs> um, and then it, he just like tops it with... R.I.P. Robert E. Lee, but I've got to thank Abraham Lincoln for freeing me. Again, Holy what is this white shit. saviorism shit? Holy fucking shit. Are you seriously going to uh, put the entire, like, wow, I, I keep getting choked up and not saying words. I sound like an idiot. Um. No, you don't sound like an idiot. I mean, the, I had to, I worked on this for hours and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, you're going to put uh, the, the entire, which is a massive 
incredible accomplishment of black slaves yep. with like and and let's not forget there there were people in the north who gave their lives for this yeah john brown greatest white person that's ever lived you're gonna put the entirety of the sacrifice of all of these people and thank abraham lincoln Mm -hmm. and and but also like give an r.i.p to robert e lee now for for those for those of you who are going to be quick to point out like robert e lee who was the general of the confederacy he was actually not pro he was anti-slavery but not not to the point where he would uh, fight against (laughs) so not not that (laughs) anti-slavery you know but the thing as a songwriter the thing that that upsets me the most no, let me let me let me rephrase that. I am upset as like a human being for many 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 things, but the thing that upsets me as a songwriter is the line caught between southern pride and southern blame. The word should be shame. It should be shame. It makes way more sense and it sounds way better. But and it of would course, show that he actually felt some kind of fucking responsibility. <laughs> exactly. But of course, he can't do that because his his constituents, the people who are buying his records, are going to be like, what do we got to be shameful about? Um, I'm really trying not to do the voice. I'm sorry. So even though Brad Paisley has said just about enough, let's hear from him about the creation and the meaning behind the song. He, he, this is to Entertainment Weekly. He says, at this point, after all these albums and all these hits, I have no interest in phoning it in. And I think that this song, The Accidental Racist, comes from an honest place in both cases. And that's why it's on there. And that's why I'm so proud of it. This isn't a stunt. This isn't something that I just came up with just to be sort of shocking or anything like that. I knew it would be, but I'm sort of doing it in spite of that, really. I'm doing it because it feels just feels more relevant than it did even a few years ago. Why? Because Django came out? Uh, <laughs> Lindsay. What? Hold, strap in, but strap okay. in, Bobby. Okay. I think that we're going through an adolescence in America where when it comes to race, you know, it's like we're almost grown ups. You have these little moments as a country where it's like, wow, things are getting better. And then you have one where it's like, wow, no, they're not. And then you just decided to be one of the people that's like, wow, no, they're not. Whatever. Quote, it really came to a boil last year with the releases of the movies Lincoln and Django Unchained. No! And there's no. just a lot of talk about it. No. It was really obvious to me that we still have issues as a nation with this. And there's there are two little channels in each chorus that really steal the pie. For one of them is, one of them is... We're still picking up the pieces, walking on eggshells, fighting over yesterday. And the other is paying for the mistakes that a lot of folks made long before we came. We are all left holding the bag here, left with the burden of these generations. And I think the younger generations are really kind of looking for a way out of this. Oh, are they? He finishes. I think that art has a responsibility to lead the way. And I don't know the answers, but I feel like asking the questions is the first step. And we're asking the question in a big way. How do I show my Southern pride? What is offensive to you? And he kind of replies, he being LL Cool J, and his summation is really that the whole, that whole let bygones be bygones. And if you don't judge my do-rag, I won't judge your red flag. We don't solve anything, but it's two guys that believe in who they are and where they're from, very honestly having a conversation and trying to reconcile. I just want to know when the do-rag became a symbol for murder and oppression and enslavement. 
to be to be honest, if you ask Southern racists or just like my uncle, who's not a Southern racist, but he's a Northern racist, a do rag represents and gold chains represent like thugs and gangbangers, right? That they're they're gonna shoot up people in the streets and you know all of the worst stereotypes of of black people, which are largely untrue. And this is like why do rags are so like wearing a do rag or a gold chain or pants that sag or is offensive. Italians wear gold chains. The Italians are offensive <laughs> to Southerners. To me. Oh, okay. Bada bing. <laughs> so you might be asking yourself, who the fuck is Brad Paisley? Brad Paisley is an American country music singer and songwriter. He debuted in 1999 with an album called Who Needs Pictures. He's released 11 studio albums and a Christmas compilation. Of course he did. Is it called War on Christmas? No, it's not. All of his albums are certified gold or higher. Make Christmas great again. He's had 32 top 10 singles on the Billboard Country Airplay chart, 19 of which have reached number one. And he set a new record in 2009 for most consecutive singles reaching the top spot on that chart, on the country chart, of 10 singles consecutively. Paisley has sold over 11 million albums, won three Grammys, 14 Academy of Country Music Awards, 14 Country Music Association Awards, two American Music Awards, and he has also earned country music's crowning achievement, becoming a member of the Grand Old Opry. He also wrote songs for Cars, the Pixar movie, the oh, franchise. sure did. So the, <laughs> the, the, the song, Accidental Racist, was released on April 9th, 2013, and it sparked many think pieces online. Something that's a little remarkable about the sources for this story, usually when we're doing these shows, Lindsay and I, we grab articles from all across time, things that have been written like 50 years after a song released or whatever. But with today's song, most, if not all, I think every article except for one was written the day the song came out. Oh my God. Immediate backlash. Yeah. So first is the New Yorker article from Khalifa Sana. And so I want to I wanna kind of read the... Yeah, well, I'll let Khalifa Sana talk for himself. Paisley has long been one of country music genre... The, the, the genre's most mischievous and self-conscious stars. He is preoccupied with the questions of what makes country country and why. When he titled his great 2009 album, American Saturday Night, he was indulging in a bit of misdirection. The title track, American Saturday Night, which went to number two on the country chart, paid all American tribute to a nation full of imports. Quote, it's a French kiss, Italian ice, margaritas in the moonlight, just another American Saturday Night. And Welcome to the Future, another hit from that album, began as a lighthearted tribute to consumer technology and ended with an elegant verse that included an anecdote about the Ku Klux Klan and a veiled reference to the inauguration of President Obama. What? Quote, I had a friend in school running back on the football team. They burned a cross in his front yard for asking out the homecoming queen. I thought about him today and everyone who'd seen what he'd seen from a woman on a bus to a man with a dream. So Khalifa Santa continues. No. So no Brad Paisley fan should be startled to hear that his new album wheelhouse includes a collaboration with LL Cool J called accidental racist. No doubt Paisley was hoping to 
provoke judging from the reaction he got yesterday when the song appeared online he may have succeeded too well a post on jezebel called it the worst song ever (laughs) in a thoughtful interview with the tennessean paisley explained that the song which he co-wrote was his response to people who said that they were offended by a t-shirt he wore celebrating alabama at a music awards show what was the shirt the t-shirt had a design that included the confederate battle flag and the criticism got paisley thinking about what it means to be white and southern wow he just started thinking about it just just for the first time (laughs) the la times has kind of a different view of paisley's writing style and career quote on the surface he's always been an eminently likable public figure with a great sense of humor one of his earliest singles is called me neither and it poked Fun at expectations in framing a clueless guy's multiple lame attempts to woo a woman he'd been eyeing at the bar. So this is the lyrics to me neither. Darling, I've been standing here just watching you all night, and I think even caught you watching me a couple times. If I don't ask, I'll never know. This may sound dumb, but here we go. Do you believe in love at first sight? Me neither. I'm glad that we agree. Okay. Three years later... He turned romantic country cliches inside out with I'm going to miss her, the fishing song, which, st- which, which starts out sounding like a zillion other earnest twangy ballads. Today, she met me at the door, said I would have to choose. If I, fit, if I hit that fishing hole today, she'd be packing all her things and she'd be gone by noon. Well, I'm going to miss her. Oh, that's my ex-husband's anthem. <laughs> In 2005... He slipped a not-so-subtle message about one of society's biggest ills into a honky-tonk rave called alcohol. Quote, I can make anybody pretty. I can make you believe any lie. I can make you pick a fight with someone twice your size. I've been known to cause a few breakups. I've been known to cause a few births. I can make you make new friends or get you fired from work. And that he's singing as alcohol. Oh, he's singing as alcohol. Yeah. When he said he's caused a few births, I almost blew something up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's singing as alcohol. Um, And in 2007, he took sexual innuendo to new heights and to mainstream country radio airwaves with a song called Ticks, which was a number one hit. Quote, I'd like to see you out in the moonlight. I'd like to kiss you way back in the sticks. I'd like to walk you through a field of wildflowers. And then I'd like to check you for ticks. Oh, gross. So this, like, I don't know, I, I, I'm not like a big country music listener, but if he is heralded as like one of country music's most clever lyricists and progressive voices, like, no, that's, Burn it I'm going to say that that's <laughs> not true. Listen to Jason Isbell, man. Or just don't listen to country. Well, Jason Isbell is not, uh, not a shithead. And there are plenty of non Sturgill Simpson, non-country, non-shithead country people. Next, we're going to hear from Ta-Nehisi Coates. Ta-Nehisi Coates is a MacArthur Genius Grant recipient and author of Between the World and Me, which won the 2015 National Book Award for nonfiction. This is from when he was the national correspondent at The Atlantic, and he wrote about cultural and social and political issues, particularly regarding black people and white supremacy. So this is from April 9th, 2013, the day the song came out, or maybe the day after. It's tough tough to say. Quote, this is, I'm going to be Ta-Nehisi Coates for a little bit, which which will be the smartest I'll ever sound. (laughs) The do-rag red flag line Paisley cites at the end 
uh, belongs to LL Cool J, one of the two guys that believe in who they are. LL Cool J has enjoyed a kind of longevity with which very few rappers can compete. In the mid-80s and early 90s particularly, he was a dynamic MC. I'm still partial to the I'm bad radio go cut creator go era. His career has blossomed beyond the record industry and to include music and film. I can understand why an artist like Paisley would be attracted to an artist like LL Cool J. I can't for the life of me understand why he'd choose LL Cool J to begin, quote, a conversation to reconcile. (laughs) Rap is overrun with artists who spent some portion of their career attempting to have a conversation. There's Chuck D, there's Big Daddy Kane, there's KRS-One, there's Talib Kweli, there's Most Def, there's Kendrick Lamar, there's Black Thought, there's Dead Prez, and so on. In an art form distinguished by a critical mass concerned with racism, LL Cool J's work is distinguished by its lack of concern, which is fine. But I wouldn't call up Talib Kweli, who's from New York, to record a song about gang violence in L.A. I wouldn't call up KRS-One to drop a verse on a love ballad. The only real reason I'd call up LL is that he's black and thus might have something insightful to say about the Confederate flag. Tokenism. Yep. The assumption that there's no real difference among black people is is exactly what racism is. Our differences, our right to our individuality, is what makes us human. The point of racism is to rob people, rob black people, of that right. It would be no different than me assuming that Rachel Weisz must necessarily have something to say about black-Jewish relations, or me assuming that Brad Paisley must know something about barbecue because he's Southern. It is no different than the, the only black kid in class being asked to explain race to white people or asking the same question of the sole black dude in your office. The entire fight is to get white people to respect the fact that most deaf holding a microphone is not LL Cool J holding a microphone, that Trayvon Martin is not Demarcus Elkins, that wearing a hoodie and being black does not make you the same as every other person wearing a hoodie and being black. Paisley wants you to know how he can express his Southern pride. Here are some ways. He could hold a huge party on Martin Luther King's birthday to celebrate a Southerner's contribution to the world of democracy. He could rock a t-shirt emblazoned with Faulkner's light in August and celebrate the South's immense contribution to American literature. He could preach about the contributions of unknown Southern soldiers like Andrew Jackson Smith. He could tell the world about the original Cassius Clay. Not the boxer, the original Mm -hmm. Cassius Clay. He could insist that Tennessee raise a statue to Ida B. Wells. Every one of these people are Southerners. And every one of them contributed to this great country. But to do that, Paisley would have to be more interested in challenging, in a challenging conversation, and less interested in a comforting lecture. Right. He just wants to get let off the hook. He doesn't want to learn anything. He doesn't actually want anything to change. He just wants to be able to wear his racist shit in peace yeah yeah and he wants to say he wants the conversation to begin and end with i like this shirt i'm not a racist i don't see how they're connected move on there's no problems right now in this country having anything to do with race no the only problem is that uh, this is in this is i'm quoting brad paisley's mentality here don't take this out of context but the 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 attitude of the song is the only problem is black people's inability to let go of the th- the things that they consider racist which we as whites don't consider racist how could they be it's just a flag i'm just a leonard skinner fan but i think how he's even saying like we can't rewrite the past he's like these guys he's saying that that we just can't let go of the fact that slavery happened not that we have modern day atrocities oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. happening no, right now doesn't exist to him 
Right. The only problem is that black people can't let go of slavery. That's literally the only because the old, that's what LL Cool J's verse is saying. He's like, I'll let go of slavery if you just like leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. Which like he's which even though that is like the le- the barest minimum that black people are asking for is to be left the fuck alone. It still doesn't happen. Correct. So on NPR on the same day, April 9th, 2013, Mark Anthony Neal, who's a professor of African-American studies at Duke, was on the show Talk of the Nation. This we'll do this as a dramatic reading. Okay. So you can be Neil Conan, who is the host of the show. And I will be this is this is a little confusing because there's like two Neils. So you be Conan and I'll be Neil, who is Mark Anthony Neil. Okay. Okay, so these are two people on Talk of the Nation. Yeah, Conan is the host and Neil is the guest. Right. So Neil says, and in many ways, when you listen to Brad Paisley, he's very thoughtful about this. Less so LL Cool J. And that's where the song is problematic for me in the sense that LL Cool J is not very thoughtful. This idea that, you know, if you can excuse my gold chains, you know, it'll take away the pain of all these other chains. It's absolutely ridiculous. And... It's the kind of song that circulates the way it does for two reasons. One, because of social media. If Facebook and Twitter didn't exist, I doubt we'd be having this conversation right now today. But also because of this kind of post-race dynamic, right? And it's the the kind of song that treats our conversations about race as a thing, as things that are products of individual choices and never really gets at the broader institutional aspects of what makes racism function, what makes white supremacy function, if I'm going to be honest. And I have to say, it's been some years since LL Cool J was considered anything. I don't think he's made a recording in five years. You know, from a branding standpoint, it's genius for LL Cool J. I mean, it helps to introduce him or better introduce him musically to at least to an audience that, you know, only knows him from watching him on television shows or some bad movies. You know, it's not unusual in the kind of larger trajectory of LL Cool J's career. He's not then, you know, he's not public enemy. He's not going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's never been a political artist, but he does have those kind of moments. We go back to his Mama Said Knock You Out days and take a song like Illegal Search, which is about the stop and frisk policies of New York going back 25 years. So he understands those kind of dynamics. For him, it's just kind of a write-off as being you be you and I'll be me and we can all get along. I think it's disingenuous on his part. So from later on in the interview, Neil says, I think that there will be fans of Brad Paisley and some fans of LL Cool J that will listen to the song. I'm not the best arbiter of what's what good gospel music is, what good country music is. You know, beyond Johnny Cash and Patsy Cline in my own musical taste, I think it will appeal for those folks who would really like us to get past certain questions around race. I mean, it's the perfect product for a post-race era in that regard. And of course, as you point out, a lot of people will argue we are nowhere near a post-race era. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, what would be what would have been interesting is to pair Paisley with, say, a Southern rapper who at least would have had an on the ground experience that would be much closer than anything LL Cool J is talking about in this, you know, from Hollywood in one case or growing up in Queens in New York. It would have been interesting to see, you know, whether Big Boy from Outkast or Ludacris, you know, how they might have responded to the gesture Brad Paisley makes in this song. Now, has P- 
Paisley or LL ever come out and said why they did this collab together? The together part is is not really. They just say that they're friends. Okay. And Brad Paisley actually appears on LL Cool J's next album as like a as a a, a drop in. Great. But like why the the answer is I don't know, but it seems like he was one of the more because he is an actor on a very popular show, the most palatable black person for country audiences. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 speculating, but this is what I this is this is how I'm reading the situation. Sure. So this is from Country Thang Daily. The New York Times called it the worst kind of agitprop that's hard to swallow. <laughs> yep. Many many individuals also took to Twitter to voice their opinions making the accidental racist hashtag a trending topic and the music video was pulled off of YouTube. Oh goodness, why? I couldn't find it. I don't know. I just cuz it's fucking offensive, I guess. Paisley and Brad Paisley admitted that he was not expecting the uproar it created. Quote. Oh, of course he wasn't. <laughs> you want to hear his quote? Yeah. You're going to love it. The whole thing took me by surprise in this sense. This was a deep album cut on a country record. I didn't know that it was possible for an album cut to make the news, let alone be a headline, be headline news, Paisley said. But this, I think, is bullshit because he made it. You don't make a music video for a deep album cut. Right. So I, th- I think that this is a lie, but that's just. And me. didn't he say something like we he's knew not it was just make phoning waves. it in anymore? Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, what? Despite the tension involving accidental racist, the country singer said he wouldn't change a thing and hoped fans would instead give him the benefit of the doubt. Quote, this is a record meant to be far from easy listening, but fun, like life, Paisley (gasps) wrote in a string of tweets. So as you buy this album, I hope it triggers emotions. I hope you feel joy, heartache, triumph, surprise. You laugh, cry, nudge someone beside you. I hope this album rocks you, soothes you, raises questions, answers, evokes feelings all the way through. In his defense, he's not just talking about the one song. He's talking about the whole album. But Jesus fucking Christ, guy. We're never doing country again. (laughs) There are good country songs. Prove it. Prove it. If there's this is uh, still from Country Thang Daily. If there's one thing Paisley is more said about is that the song was not intended to hurt. He wrote, he wrote it to heal. So in a sense, the message of accidental racist is doing the contrary, and Paisley learned a lot from that. Quote: Who's he trying to heal? His bar buddies who are yes, having a ex- little <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, pity party for themselves, or or griping about like why why can we not live our lives and blah 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 and he's like you know i have one black friend his name is ll cool j (laughs) the most surprise this is his quote the most surprising and upsetting thing was being thought of by some as a racist you named the song accidental racist yeah why would you admitted that that you were a racist (laughs) but uh, accidentally I have no interest in offending anyone, especially anyone in the African-American community. That song was absolutely earnestly supposed to be a healing song. 100%. Holy shit. This is, that is just, you are, he is so fucking clueless. LL Cool J also came to Paisley's defense. Wow. He explained that the song was intended to get people talking about racism and clarified the line about forgetting the iron chains. He's quote, I'm not advising anyone to truly forget slavery, Ella Cool J said, but what I am saying is forget the slavery mentality, forget the bitterness. Wow. Also, you shouldn't really tell other people how to feel. Also, like, like that. also the thing, obviously, the, the real 
the real problem with slavery was how bitter <laughs> all the black people were at being slaves. Clearly. That's the thing that we really have to get through. That's what really has to get, yeah, we have to move on from. So once again, on April 9th, 2013, Brad Paisley went on Ellen to kind of defend the song. I want to give you a chance to explain because it is all over the news today. It's the topic of Twitter. Um, There's a track on here that I don't think people understand what's going on. So let's explain to everybody. There's a song called Accidental Racist. So tell people what is going on. Well, I did a duet with LL Cool J, who is uh, has become one of my best friends in the world. And uh, I have a black friend. It sort of deals with something. I don't know if any of you have noticed, but there's some racial tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Here and there, and, uh-huh. <laughs> and it kind of deals with that. And I, I felt like when we were writing this song, it wasn't necessarily up to the media or, well, I don't really trust sort of, I, I guess Hollywood or, or sorry, or the. Uh, <laughs> I represent Hollywood. <laughs> yes, she does. She runs it, uh, or or sort of talk radio or anything like that Fucking to sort of deal yikes. with that anymore. I think it's Holy music's fuck. turn to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, but you're basically saying. I don't know. It's kind of a, we're sort know. of asking the question of, about of as, a, as a proud Southerner and, and he is a, as a black New Yorker. It's sort of like, let's, one of my favorite lines of the song is he says, I think the relationship between the Mason Dixon needs some fixing. Mm-hmm. And, Does, and did he say that? Leave it to yeah. a rapper to put it so simply and yeah. so beautifully. That's great. Yeah. All right. Well, so, uh, so for, for those of you who are talking about this, I guess we'll, uh, you'll listen to it and you'll make up your own yeah, mind. Yeah, make and, your own mind up. Yeah. That's fine. You can throw things at me. I'm all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. The name of the CD is Wheelhouse, and everyone in the audience is getting a copy. We'll be right back. Thank you. Okay. So, a couple things. Brad. Brad. Ellen. Also, Ellen. Ellen. Well, Ellen, Ellen is a bad person. Yes. We we don't have we don't have time to go through this. Ellen's horrible, and I don't want to defend Brad Paisley at all, like at all, at all, at all. But I want to point out that this is the day the song came out, so he's already like starting the apology tour. But it's he, of course, he didn't know the full shit storm that was coming his way, though he probably should have. And he, it's it's also not like he had time to reflect on the shit storm because the so, like the day the song comes out is not the day to be like I shouldn't have released this song. Yeah, sure, but. That said, six months later, Paisley sat down with Vulture to discuss some of the things he learned from the experience. Oh, let me add it. Okay, so this is, we're going to do a dramatic reading, but first I want to read the intro part of the article so you can get the tone of the interview. Mm-hmm. So in practice, the Brad Paisley LL Cool J duet, Accidental Racist, landed on the internet this past spring with a thud. The, the song was cringe theater, a mix of earnest and tone deaf with a cool, with an LL Cool J rap whose weirdly conciliatory stance, if you don't judge my gold chains, I'll forget <laughs> the iron chains, that neither the song's obvious good intentions nor Paisley's guitar picking could redeem. The howl of condemnation that greeted Accidental Racist was understandable, given the touchy subject matter. It was also unfortunate. Accidental racist is as audacious as it is awkward, a fact that was lost on the on those unfamiliar with country music and with Paisley's own general tricksterish approach to the genre's cultural politics. For more than a decade, Paisley has been a superstar, the country's sharpest song country's sharpest songwriter, most fearsome guitar player, and biggest cut up. He's also a progressive figure who has slyly challenged the most conservative constituency in popular music. Four years before Accidental Racist, Paisley released American Saturday Night, an album that celebrated New York City's multiculturalism and, in the anthemic Welcome to the Future, hailed the election of Barack Obama. 
In in 2011, in the single Camouflage, Paisley cheekily advocated replacing the Confederate stars and bars with a redneck symbol that causes no offense, a camouflage flag. It was a very Paisley move. Politics that defied the country music party line. Um, Camouflage does offend me as a pacifist. (laughs) Well, sure. Uh, He smuggled it onto the charts under the cover of a joke, a catchy tune, and a wicked guitar solo. So this is already kind like, this is a puff PC, right? Like, this is not really I don't tackling. think that's a me problem. I don't... Th- something that fatigues, something that you wear to go out and kill other people in the name of capitalism, white supremacy, and all of this fucking bullshit is offensive. Okay. Yes, but that's not... <laughs> it's not racially offensive to what we're talking about right now. Okay, so you're going to be... I get to be Brad Paisley again, and you get to be the vulture interviewer. Okay. This is a long one. Ready? Mm-hmm. And who am I? Who's the interviewer? Jody Rosen from Vulture. From Vulture. Okay, I'm Jody. Let's talk about the response to Accidental Racist. Did it take you by surprise? Did you expect that the song would generate the kind of controversy that it did? So, by the way, this is, once again, six months on from releasing that thing. The whole thing took me by surprise in this sense. This was a deep cut on a country record. I didn't know it was possible for an album cut to make the news let alone headline news see he's saying it again it's ironic because my publicist had reached out to npr and said brad has cut an album that takes a lot of risks and asks some really tough questions would you like an interview and they didn't want one and then all of a sudden i'm driving to go play jay leno listening to npr and they're devoting talk of the nation to the subject which we read an excerpt from on the album really on the album release day the truth is i mostly thought about accidental racist in terms of my fans the song was meant of to course generate- you did wow the song was meant to re- meant to generate discussion among people who listen to my albums what i was most worried about is that my fan base would think i was preaching to them the last thing i would ever want to do is to be preachy but i thought that my fans would get something out of hearing a point of view that they don't very they often never hear. hear this point of view that i just want to fucking wear my leonard skinner shirt in peace <laughs> let me wear my confederate flag and my white hood and realize i'm not racist yeah A perspective you don't really hear in country music. Some Southerners got very mad at me. Quote, I'm done with you. How dare you apologize for the Confederate flag, which he absolutely did not do. Uh, But the majority of my fans say, we know you, we love you, and we don't understand the controversy. We don't get why everyone is so mad. Which Which tells you all you need to know right there. There's a gulf of understanding in what I was trying to address. The most surprising and upsetting thing was being was being thought of by some as racist. I have no intention. I have no interest in offending anyone, especially anyone in the African-American community. That song was absolutely earnestly supposed to be a song of healing. One hundred percent. Did you read any of the criticism of the song? I did. I read the serious criticism, the stuff that was legit. Some of it I understood, some of it I didn't. I'm eager to read more. This is a learning experience for me. Once again, it's a white guy like using black people's labor, emotional and psychological labor to like learn stuff. Which he's really not even doing. Which he's not even doing, right. Many critics objected to what they view as the song's simplistic treatment of a complex subject. Some people felt that accidental racists aimed to put to bed the problem of racial animosity and the legacy of slavery, to reduce all that history to a misunderstanding that could be resolved by two guys talking at Starbucks. The song's lyrics seemed to draw a comparison between the Confederate flag, viewed by many as a symbol of white supremacy, of an unspeakable historical crime, and the fashion choices of a black man. 
is sagging pants and gold chains. So it actually, this is me speaking. It just occurred to me that in the narrative of the song, it seems like LL Cool J is the barista at Starbucks. Right. I, that never occurred to me. <laughs> it makes the song so much worse for me. I don't know why it just yes. occurred to me now. Okay, so uh, I'm Brad again. Just the fact that he was talking about the guy that waited on me at Starbucks, he immediately set up this power dynamic where... Yeah. doesn't doesn't realize it, of course. Of course doesn't realize it. Like, it's so disgusting. Continue. I'm Brad again. <laughs> I, need to, I need to take a fucking hot shower, <laughs> get all the Brad off me. If there's a key line in the song, and this was really criticized, really taken out of context in my view, it's the line... It ain't like I can walk a mile in someone else's skin. That's how is that taken out of context? But whatever. That's a line about a character's limitations as a white man, his inability to truly understand the experience of an African-American. The point isn't that I have the answers or that I'm offering easy solutions. It's the opposite. It's a difficult problem, and I want to have a conversation about it. Yes, I wanted the song to be about the Civil War and slavery. The song is about reconstruction which is still going on the song is about a great sin which we are still dealing with and it's a song in a way about profiling about the assumptions that we make about people we don't really know it was meant to be a story of two individuals ll and i or the characters we play in the song having a very civil conversation about these difficult issues here's what i know now though that i didn't know on april 8th you can sing to a woman and say you know, if you cheat on me, I'll forgive you. And the entire male population won't turn on you and say, how dare you say that on our behalf? But what LL says to me in the song, you know, if you don't judge me for this, I won't judge you for that. People will say, how dare you say this on our behalf? I realize now that you can't personalize the conversation about the subject the way I tried to in the song. I was being naive about that. No one cared more about getting this right than LL and I. We had no interest in being flippant about this. We both worked very hard on what we wanted to say. And that's the thing that allows us to sleep at night. I can't. This is not the interviewer. This is Lindsay. I can't imagine anything being more flippant. I cannot understand how two human beings. Okay, let's just say they were fucking high and they wrote this song. And then nobody, nobody in their entire universe was like, hmm. Don't maybe you think don't. this is a little cavalier? Like, maybe don't do well, this. Well, I, I will put forth an, uh, a, uh, a reason m maybe that why that didn't happen in a minute. Okay. Now I so am Jody. Here's, again, right? here's, your, here's your answer, finally. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. Woohoo! Jody, why did you pick LL as your duet partner? He's not known for his politics. Some <laughs> critics have suggested... Asked and answered. <laughs> Some critics have suggested that if you wanted to have a challenging conversation about race, you would have chosen a more politically astute rapper, a rapper known for dealing with racial politics. I wanted to do this with LL because I love his music. False. And because he's a legend <laughs> in his format. Kind of also false. And I didn't want to do this with someone controversial. You have mm, to remember ding, ding, my ding. <laughs> mm, you have to remember my thought process. I was thinking about the reception from my audience. Mm -hmm. My fear was I didn't want my fans to just write it off. I didn't want them to dismiss the song and its message. I thought about approaching Kanye. Mike Dean, who works for Kanye, produced Outstanding in Our Field, which is a song on his record Wheelhouse. But it would have been instantaneously, instantly polarizing if I had gotten Kanye. Half of my fans are still mad at him for taking on, for taking Taylor Swift's microphone away. <laughs> okay. Look, no one dislikes LL Cool J. If you meet LL Cool J, you fall in love with LL Cool J. LL and I had mutual friends, and he and I 
had always talked about doing something. My fans know LL, LL's music, and I love him. We're blood brothers at this point. Wow. We've been through fire together. I know no finer person. Okay, we just have to unpack this part where he's saying he didn't mm-hmm. want his fans yep. to write it off because he wanted them to get the message. But his message is absolve white people of their guilt. Yeah, and so and this is this is ultimately the problem. Like if he had had Killer Mike on his record and Killer Mike's like fuck white people, then <laughs> I understand that like that he's taken a his big His audience s- might object to that. Yeah, high risk high reward, right? But he mitigated his risk of of offending people so much in his head at least that it like came all the way around and became offensive again because he he basically got like Raffi to be like the police shot another black guy. Like why? Like why? But ask he, this person? they didn't even say that. They That's said do rags <laughs> and chains. That's true. I yeah. I don't know, man. Okay. Uh, jo- back to Jody. <laughs> this whole brace problem just boils down to the fashion choices of a few men at Starbucks. It's true. Pull up your okay. pants. Pull up your <laughs> pants, and I'll let go. Or let go of the Civil War. Dave, pull up your pants. We need an ambulance. You should do that song. What is that song? <laughs> Eminem. Oh, I don't know that song. Okay. Um, all right. So where am I? I'm Jody. Tell me about the recording of Accidental Racist. How did it come together? LL came down to Nashville. I'd worked all night on a demo. I recorded the vocal at four in the morning. The next day, LL and I went to the Ryman Auditorium. Now, the Ryman didn't have a balcony until the Civil War. They were bringing the soul bring the soldiers home and they needed more seating so they built a balcony and named it the confederate gallery Hmm. it's there in big gold letters and Hmm. so ll and i were getting the tour and they explained to him that they built the balcony for a reunion of confederate veterans ll looks at me and he said what a country we live in that you and i can stand here together after all of that he had no idea what kind of song i'd written so i said Come out to the car. I want to play this for you. And he heard it and went, this is important. I'm in. And then he wrote his verse in the studio. Wow. Okay. Because Holy when Brad... Shit. When Brad was on Ellen, he made it sound like they wrote it together. Mm-hmm. Well, so they wrote it together separately, right? They... they he, LL wrote his verse. Brad wrote his verses. But like... Mm, yeah. Yeah, but we're, Brad we're kind of set the tone. History again. Brad set the narrative of the man waiting on him at Starbucks and put cast LL in that role, mm-hmm. and then asks LL in a parking lot to write his ver- his response, his dialogue, mm-hmm. which was regrettably fucking terrible. Yeah, really bad. I mean, like <laughs> LL's put in a bad situation, and 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 runs face first into the bar. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, have you ever, I'm Jody. Yeah. have you ever worn a Confederate flag shirt like the character in the song? Yes. That's part of why we went into the writing of the song. I wore an Alabama t-shirt on a couple of TV shows. It was a vintage t-shirt and my stylist sequined it out, put sequins on the letters of the Alabama logo. It was all blingy mm. and there was a flag on the shirt too, about the size of a belt buckle. It was half covered by my guitar and I tried to read some stuff on the internet reacting and someone reacting to it and someone wrote racist pig (laughs) i think that one thing that your readers might not understand is how prevalent the flag is in the south no we do do. see it you do see it everywhere 
It flies on some courthouses, obviously. You see it all the time. I see it in the audience at my shows. Maybe you saw it out there tonight. It's a complicated symbol. The truth is, again, your readers might not think it's possible. Many, most of the people who fly that flag are not horrible people who want the South to return to the way it used to be. Okay, we have to unpack this, too. I have toured the South. I've driven through the South. There's Confederate flags everywhere. The The issue is not that every progressive person, every black person, every person without their head up their ass thinks that every person who flies the stars and bars is like lighting crosses on people's lawns. That would be like statistically impossible. The problem is that even though the heritage not hate people, the people who fly the flag and be like, why? It's not racist to me. It doesn't matter if it's racist to you. It you matters. Are not the, it, aff- the only it affects person. other people. Yeah, and so and so this is this whole thing of like white discomfort again, right? The fact that they aren't intending to be racist, but the consequences of their actions are that people think that they are being racist and people get feel a certain way about the things that they're putting on their body. It it doesn't matter if you intended to crash your car. You have still crashed your car. Right. Saying you didn't intend it to be racist is racist because you're not giving any v- validity to historical facts or human human beings other people yeah yeah your your locus of your your you've got no object permanence and no one exists outside of your own like 10 foot race yeah okay uh back to jody would you wear that alabama shirt again now after accidental racist that's an interesting question (laughs) it's not but sure (laughs) I haven't since. And if I put it back on now, look, the last thing I want to do is be racially insensitive. I don't want to hurt anyone. There's lots of other stuff I can wear. That Good. The one smart thing he's literally ever said, and it took him six months and like the, one of the most offensive songs ever to, re- exactly. to reach to be like. There's lots of other stuff I can wear. There's lots of other things I can do besides fly the fucking Confederate flag. Maybe I just ask myself, are my <laughs> actions affecting other people in a negative way? Okay, back to Jody. I think that's the feeling that a lot of people have about the Confederate flag. Why cling to a symbol that is so hurtful to so many people? Now you've actually sung about the flag before in camouflage. I've already thought of you as a unique figure in country, a guy who gently, often humorously challenges your audience, tries to find ways to reconcile tradition in the modern world. In camouflage, you embrace both racial sensitivity and regional pride. Quote, well, the stars and bars offend some folks, and I guess I see why. Nowadays, there's still a way to show your Southern pride. The only thing as patriotic is the old red, white, and blue. Is green and gray and black and brown and tan all over, too. So this is offensive to Lindsay and to people who are pacifists. But he's saying, like, it's not offensive to people who are affected by slavery. Um, It is. How about all of the black men? And slaves who were rushed off to war to fight for slavery. Yeah. Still to this day. Yeah, yeah. How many the, had to go off to fucking Vietnam? How many militarism militarism in the United States is just as entrenched in our history as racism. But what Paisley's saying is is he's aggressively agreeing with us only in the re- in reverse order. He's like, we don't have to fly the stars and bars. We got something just as good. War. Symbols of war. Correct. We don't have to worry about this old symbol of war. We've got new symbols of war. Correct. 
So, okay, uh, black and brown and tan all over too. And he goes, right, that was the joke. Already, already, if the guy's like, you don't get it, it's a joke. I'm already yeah, not doing right. well. That was the joke. That was the point. Here's a different thing that you can wear that says Southern Redneck. You're so close. Wow. You're so wow. close to getting it. He's running face first into the point and still missing it. The irony of the accidental racist controversy for those of us who followed your career is that you're known as a progressive figure in country, in particular on racial questions. You're the country superstar that coastal liberals love to love. Welcome to the future. In 2009 was celebration of President Obama's election. When the album American Saturday Night came out, I was I naively I was naively thinking that everybody felt the same way I did, which was proud that we'd come such a long way as a country. And then I realized that there are some people out there that don't necessarily feel that way. I've had people say, "I'll never sit through your concert again." But most of my audience was incredibly embracing of Welcome to the Future. This is just literally horrific that this is conversation that's being had in earnest. In 2013. <sighs> yes. Let's talk for a moment more about Southern Pride. In an article titled, Why Accidental Racist is Actually Just Racist, <laughs> <laughs> the critic, Tanahisi Coates, wrote, Paisley wants to know how he can express his Southern pride. Here are some ways he could hold a party on Martin Luther King's birthday to celebrate a Southerner's contribution to the world of democracy. He could preach about the contributions of unknown Southern soldiers like Andrew Jackson Smith. Sorry, I have to interrupt you. Oh, my <gasps> Jesus. I like what Coates is saying. It's smart. I'd love to talk to him someday. But I have to say this. Do you know what I did last year on Martin Luther King's birthday? I played a show for the inauguration of our president. It was a really big party. I was a featured guest at a huge party on Dr. King's birthday. Thanks for mansplaining that to me, bro. Sorry. You didn't just play the inaugural ball. You performed it at the White House twice at President Obama's invitation. The president has praised your music. I know that you're friendly with the president, that you've met him on several occasions, and that you speak on the phone with him from time to time. Did you and the president ever have a conversation about accidental racist? I'm sorry. I can't comment on, the conversa on my conversations with President Obama. Those conversations are private. Did you vote for President Obama? I don't talk about the people I vote for. You shouldn't listen to my music for political messages. What, Brad? What, Brad? Bradley. Like Bradley doing everything you just said. Brad, what? See, the, here's the problem with talking about who I voted for. If I say I voted for Romney, then everyone's like, of course. And if I say I voted for Obama, everyone's like, of course. And then I'm no longer the guy you can't figure out. No, you. If you don't stand for anything, you stand for nothing. This fucking guy. This fucking what guy. What a pussy. I mean, what a ball sack. He has no spine. Why would you uh, say <laughs> such a hurtful thing about Brad Paisley? <laughs> he doesn't care. He doesn't want to make a difference. He just wants no. to be a rich country singer. Mm -hmm. I would have stopped it at, uh, I would have left out re-singer. <laughs> yes. After all that's happened, do you regret having released the song? Is this an idea that would have been best left on the cutting room floor? Looking back at the whole thing, of course the song would still be on the record. Art should inspire discussion. Look, this started a journey for me. Oh, God. I just threw up in my mouth. Okay. So, one last thing about Brad Paisley before we move on. This is from Lyrics Genius again. Brad Paisley was born in West Virginia, which was not part of the Confederacy. <laughs> just like John Denver sang about in Country Roads. Sweet Virginia. 
Mount Mama. <laughs> so, okay. Brad Paisley. It's West Virginia, right? West Virginia, yeah. Brad Paisley was born in West Virginia, which was not part of, which was created to separate itself from, from the, the Confederacy, right? Literally. Mm-hmm. And, but in the song, he says he's a proud Southern man, proud of his Southern heritage, except for that whole slavery stuff. So, like, he lives in Tennessee now, but, like, why the fuck, why the fuck, why the fuck, why the fuck even open your mouth? Because he's a white man. Yeah, because he's a white man. I guess that there's no real. He's entitled. He's an entitled fucking white dude (laughs) with a platform, which I wish would just get taken away. But 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 why pretend like you're something that you're not? Stir up controversy and then be like, "Hmm, it wasn't me who wanted to stir up controversy. (laughs) Look at how impish I am. (laughs) Literally, opportunism. Yeah, probably white guilt. Yeah, it's like how George W. Bush developed a Southern accent, even though he was born in Connecticut. (laughs) So now from LL Cool J's side of the street, what the fuck exactly is he doing in this song? Yeah, it seems like what he's doing is letting white people off the hook for um, centuries of atrocities. Yeah, and, and frankly, it's like, I would say maybe a little unfair of us to say that he is representing all black people. But we didn't do that. To- we have not said that at all. Right. But like the, the problem is he is a represent like Paisley has made him a representative for all black people. And so the fact that he basically like punted on that responsibility is a thing that I'm taking issue with. But like I, I also don't want to say that he represents all black people because he doesn't clearly. I never had that thought in my mind. But you know what I'm saying? Like Paisley was like and now for a representative from the black community ll cool oh totally and then he had the audacity to say oh well what i learned was that you know i can say i'll forgive you for your cheating and that doesn't represent all men but (laughs) i can't have this conversation about race without it representing all whites everyone yeah very weird very very weird individual decisions versus collective societal decisions um so from the Hollywood Reporter, one day after Brad Paisley hit the Tonight Show to defend the controversial song, LL Cool J also sat down with Jay Leno to explain his intentions behind the tune. He says, quote, I'm pleased that the dialogue is happening. The song wasn't perfect, and you can't fit three or four hundred years of history into a three or four minute song. A lot of people took offense to some of the lyrics, and ultimately, I can't defend the song, but I can clarify my intentions. Okay. He says, so this is once again one day after the song is released. He says the song wasn't meant to compare the history of the Confederate flag. He went on Jay Leno one day after the song was released. Uh huh. Okay. Or maybe two, because I think Paisley went on one day after the, re- the release, and so LL Cool J was the following day. Got it. He says the song wasn't meant to compare the history of the Confederate flag and the rapes and tortures and lynching of all the things associated with the flag with a do-rag. But well, wasn't it, it? Isn't it? Didn't it? <laughs> That's exactly what it did. Yeah. Quote, however, when you think about a kid like Trayvon Martin, which his murder had only happened the year before this, when you think about a kid like Trayvon Martin and some of the things that happen in society based on clothing, when you put it in proper context, it makes sense. Still no. Still doesn't make sense. Makes the opposite of sense, in fact. 
I can see at the leap. I I actually can slightly see the leap. It's like if we're going to get murdered for our clothes, if we're going to get murdered for wearing a hoodie or a do-rag, then yeah, you're going to need to overlook that I'm fucking wearing that and not murder me. Yeah. But like that is a huge fucking leap. LL Cool J also argued that he wasn't trying to suggest the history books be rewritten. I would never, ever, ever suggest to anyone that we should just forget slavery and act like it didn't happen. I understand that systemic racism exists. I get that. But you know what? If that playing field is unlevel and you think it's unfair, then maybe putting down some of that baggage will help you make it up the hill a little easier. So he's saying... If we remove some white guilt from these motherfuckers, maybe they'll walk up the hill without that weight? No, he's saying that, I, as if I'm reading this properly, which I think I am, he's saying that people are black people are walking around with the baggage of slavery on their shoulders all the time, and it, like, it hinders their success in mainstream society because they're like trying to walk up an uneven playing field with all that baggage. Which still, I'm like, that's not really. The- They're trying to walk up and un. Yes, the hill. The happened. hill is the baggage. The hill is white supremacy, and it's still here, right? Isn't that the baggage too? Like, I think we're saying that the same thing, which is like, you can't erase slavery and then expect the rest of the baggage to also go away because the entirety of our society is built on white supremacy, and slavery was yes. just like a a large part of that. But like. You can't you can't expect the rest of the world to just like write itself. But they also aren't expecting the rest of the world to write itself. The the white the white people, the white perspective of the song is all I want to do is not think about this anymore. Exactly. Right? Please absolve me. I don't I don't want to make any societal changes. I like that it's really hard for you to to live your life and navigate through the world. All I want to do is not think about this anymore. And wear my fucking racist and w- shirt. And wear my fucking racist shirt. But like, I don't like wanna own you. I just like wanna wear a shirt that reminds you of when we used to be able to own you, right? Yeah, a symbol f- a for symbol. for for fighting for owning you. <laughs> um, and so, so I tried to find the video of Ella Cool J on the Tonight Show with Jay Leto, and it seems to have been removed from the internet. No way. Way can't find it. But don't worry, LL also went on Ellen, and that video has not been removed from the internet. All right, so Brad was here, Brad Paisley was here not too long ago, and right. it was like the day that this controversy broke when the, he was here. The day we cured racism? Yeah, yeah. 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 And, yeah. and now uh, you're here, and he's on your album as well, but yeah. this, this accidental racist, this song, yeah. is getting, it's, it's so controversial. And yeah. when you were writing it, did you think this is gonna possibly upset some people? Well, it, you know, first let me say this. Um, you know, the song isn't perfect, but with the song, what we were talking about is love and, and not judging people by symbols or, or skin color or where they're from or their background, but actually just judging people based on who they are as individuals. Right. Um, so some people didn't connect the dots, but it's, I think ultimately it's for the best because it, it raises awareness about a subject that needs to be talked about. And just for the record, I would never, it, I think it's ludicrous and ridiculous even think for a second that I would ever trivialize slavery. Like that's, to me, is like almost a bizarre conclusion to draw, you know? Right. So bizarre. Um, but 
<laughs> you know, I think that ultimately, I think the majority of Americans and the majority of the people in the world realize that you want to land on the side of love. And they realize that it's not about being bitter. It's about getting better mm -hmm. in your life. And Oof. it's about seeing people as individuals, whether mm -hmm. they're gay, straight, whether they're from down south in, a, in an area where, quote unquote, rednecks live, whether they're from the inner city or the ghetto. Ultimately, we have to connect as, as human beings. When you look at what happened in Boston, you know, and when you look at what's going on in North Korea, he's, I he's think, talking about I the think Boston Americans bombing, are clear American that bombing. we need to stick together and we need to be unified as a country. So that's what that song was about. It was not about making light of or trivializing what happened in the past. Mm -hmm. And so my conversation to Brad was to this, this le in this letter that I was writing to this quote unquote guy who was telling me about the symbol is that, listen, if you don't judge who I am now in the present, and if you can get past who I am when I walk in the door with my tattoos on and, and with my jeans sagging and with my do-rag and my hoodie on, then I tell you what, I won't walk around with a chip on my shoulder about something that happened many generations ago no. that you can't do anything about. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I won't, I'm trivializing it. He's but what still it is wearing is the that, symbol you know, on I don't yeah. feel like African Americans have to be upset. Like, I don't define myself by slavery. You know, mm -hmm. I define myself as a man and a human being who's going after his dreams now. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. All these white women, me, look yeah. at them. To see love and just have a real honest conversation with a guy about, you know, being a human being first and then, then an American and then having a per, uh, being a person with some faith. And that's what the song is about. All right. I'm so glad you got to clear that up because I think yeah. a lot of people okay, don't understand. Okay, so that. I want to yeah. talk about a, a handful but of Ellen things. But Ellen hasn't challenged them at all. No, right? Ellen's, but it's not Ellen's job to fucking challenge anyone. I know, but I think a good interviewer like would just ask some more questions. But fine. Yes. Okay, so, so I want to I wanna, I wanna unpack a couple things. One thing, maybe this is exactly how LL Cool J actually feels. Maybe. And that's okay. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, and we're entitled to to uh, to different opinions. And I'm not trying to discount his experience. However, the position that he's been put in by the system of the song, by Brad Paisley, by the record company, by whatever, by the fact that he's like part of the song, has him speaking for all black people. And the fact that he is excusing this stuff whether he believes it or not is just going to give racists and rednecks rednecks is a bad term i'm i'm not going to use the term redneck but give racists and people who think that we're in a post-racial america or think that people black people are whining about slavery too much it's just going to give them more ammo because the the representative of black culture has given them a pass right Yes, but I would argue that let's say it was the other way around. That would these are not people that are I don't want to paint them all with a very broad brush, but this is not a group of people that historically has kept an open mind and has been open to dialogue and open to change Who are we which talking this about song specifically? proves Brad Paisley's audience Brad, right. Southern racists. And he's ar he's already said like if I tried to swing a little more for the fences, my audience would have rejected it. So like we'll shut he, down. He has confirmed that. So it doesn't really matter at this point what LL Cool J says. No. If LL Cool J says, "You know what? Fuck the song." Right. Fuck Brad Paisley. Right. 
this song trivializes my atrocities yeah. and my experience on this earth. That's not gonna change their mind. No, no, either. no one's mind's gonna. This this song is not. So whether he gives tr- them a pass or he just emboldens them to get angrier, yeah, and dig their heels in more. I don't see how he can win. Oh, he definitely can't win. The the only way that he can win is by not doing the song in the first place. Um, which, which is the obvious answer. <laughs> but honestly, there's like a, a distinctly different tone. This is three weeks after the song is released, and there's a very different tone that he's taking than Paisley's taking. I think because he's like, A, he's the representative of black people in the song, so he's getting way more shit than Paisley is. And also like the tide has really turned for for this and for the song. Yeah. So clearly, because this was such a famous, such a famous like gaff in terms of the culture, there were a lot of parody parodies of this white nonsense. And the best one, the one that we're gonna watch, is from SNL and from Weekend Update. Yay! Yay! Listeners, if you want to know uh, <laughs> what kind of uh, control freak Lindsay is, while I was talking <laughs> about five minutes ago, she sent me the link to this Saturday Night Live thing and said, "Please tell me we're watching this," even though it was the very next sentence in my notes. <laughs> Payback's a bitch. Yeah, well, <laughs> this is why we're a good team. <laughs> so this is this is uh, Jason Sudeikis as Brad Paisley and Keenan Thompson as LL Cool J. Country singer Brad Paisley this week caused an uproar when he released a collaboration with LL Cool J called Accidental Racist, a song about everyday racism that some critics called misguided and tone deaf. Here now to comment Brad Paisley and LL Cool J. <laughs> <laughs> And I wanted to tell the story of a rapper, you know what I'm saying? Who needs to get his name out there because he has a new album about to drop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you've both gotten a lot of criticism. Yeah, no, Seth, here's the thing. We know the song's not perfect. Okay? It's not even good. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, musically or lyrically. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, all we try to do is start a conversation, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, you're white. Hey, you're black. Uh-oh. Don't follow me around this store. Yeah, well, don't talk during this movie. <laughs> you see? <laughs> That's it. That's the conversation. That's what's going on. See, the song, the song, Seth, is all about assumptions. Seth. Okay, Seth. Now, you can't, you can't go and judge a book by its cover, all right? See, now, like me. Okay, I wear this cowboy hat that I wear. You see that? Okay, LL. Now, if you saw someone in this hat, I mean, you know, what would you think? You a gay pimp. Right, yeah, no, I know that. Yes, 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 yes. But I mean, what else? What else would you think? Um, that you Matthew McConaughey had prom. See? Exactly, and I am neither of those things, okay? Like the song says, I'm just a white man from the Southland. Racism is cured, y'all. It's over! You're welcome! Over. You did not cure racism. <laughs> well, and I gotta say, LL, I think people were especially confused by why you would want to do a song like this. Well, listen, um, when I agreed to do a country song, I knew I was risking my reputation as the most low-down, hardcore cast member of NCIS. True. But, um, That's true. When my man Brad called, you know what I'm saying? I answered the phone the way I always do. I'll do it. 
<laughs> LL, I gotta say, some of these lyrics are pretty questionable. Like, when you say, if you don't judge my gold chains, I'll forget the iron chains. Did I say that? <laughs> mm. Kind of sounded different when I sang it into my MacBook. Yeah. <laughs> okay, look. I'll tell you what, Seth, looking back on it, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we should have let just one person hear the song yes. before we sent it to a record company. I mean, anybody. Maybe. I mean, you know. Yeah, it just seems like you threw the whole thing together pretty fast. Oh, come on now, Seth. We spent 11 minutes writing that song. I almost finished the whole pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of carbs. Okay, I mean, there were whole verses we wrote that we didn't even use, okay? Hey, you won't hear them? No. Okay, well, then you're a racist. All right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, yo, hit that track, yo. I'm just a Caucasian. You're okay that Kanye did it. Then I'll admit that OJ did it. Trying to understand what racist even means. So we whipped up this song. If you think NCIS is good, then I'll forget the Aryan Brotherhood. But at least we ended racism for good. So this is a parody of a specific Good Morning America interview with LL Cool J and Brad Paisley. So now we get to watch the thing that this is based yes. on. <laughs> Exclusive interview with two titans of entertainment, Brad Paisley and LL Cool J. Their new song, Accidental Racist, raising a lot of eyes. I definitely right watched this one. This is their only interview together, rare. speaking out about their message and what they intended. ABC's Paula Ferris is here with the latest. Good morning to you, Paula. Good morning. They were just trying to open up a very sensitive conversation. During our interview, you can immediately tell two things. Brad and LL Cool J appear to be legitimate friends. The other is that both men take the message of this song very seriously. But critics will say that message has been lost in translation. The new song may be called Accidental Racist. But in an exclusive interview with ABC News, so they're the wearing like the same say the clothes. Yeah. It's sparking with every bit intentional. I'm not really sure we were going to find any answers, but it was the idea that we would ask the question. Martin Luther King had a very interesting quote. He said, darkness doesn't drive out darkness. Only light can. Hate doesn't drive out hate. Only love can. Right. So what we're talking about on this song is forgiveness and compassion. In the song, Paisley and LL Cool J play the parts of a white Southerner and a black barista overcoming prejudice and having a back and forth about everything from fashion to slavery. I felt like what we had on tape was something that people needed to hear. In terms of symbols, sometimes I put a skull and crossbones on and, you know, my wife would get upset with me. But, you know, I'm not a pirate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if my man, if my man got a Confederate flag on, no. I'm not gonna. That don't mean he's a Confederate soldier. Both stars say that despite what? the backlash, they are proud of the song and the so discussion it is creating. And let's not be victims of things that happened so long ago. Right. And, Anymore. But, and oh, he's time, calling himself a victim now. But then, after we respect it, let's also open our yeah, hearts why up why so that we can move forward. <laughs> 
fascinating conversation there. No, Brad. So Stephen Colbert also did a parody on his old show, The Colbert Report, where he was doing a like a parody of Sean Hannity or Tucker tucker carlson it's like pretty offensive taken out of context so i'm not gonna play it but he and alan cumming did a parody song called oopsie daisy homophobic oh no yeah but it turns out controversy is good for one thing and it's sales from billboard the controversy around brad paisley and ella cool j's collaboration on paisley's new album has helped drive online streams of the track as it generates a massive amount of attention from writers and critics the much derided Accidental Racist from the album Wheelhouse has received 10% of the album's plays at Rhapsody, and that's a high that's a high share of plays for a song that deep into an album. It makes it the most popular track on the album. And in contrast, the single Beat This Summer received just 7% of the total shares of the stream. There are 21 songs on the album, and if each of them received an equal amount of shares it would be about 4.8 percent per share so accidental racist doesn't surprise me at all no not at all accidental racist peaked at number 77 on the billboard hot 100 and number 23 on the hot country songs chart wow so it gets a little bit more complicated so even if you've listened to this whole thing and you're like mm, i still don't see him. he's trying to say that he's not racist there's a little bit more complication to the story and it's that the album that Accidental Races is on is called Wheelhouse. The songs on that album touch on various aspects, such as xenophobia with the song Southern Comfort Zone, domestic violence with the song Karate, racism with Accidental Racist, and religion with a song called Those Crazy Christians. So the album debuted at number one on the Billboard Top Country Albums chart, selling over 100,000 copies in the first week. And it was Paisley's seventh number one album. It peaked at number two on the Billboard Top 200 behind Paramore's self-titled album, Paramore. But this album also had a Cracker Barrel exclusive version, which should tell you kind of all you need to know right there. No. With three extra songs... This version was sold exclusively at Cracker Barrel restaurants, and Cracker Barrel has its own history with accusations of racism. Sure does. In 2004, they had to pay a settlement over racism and discrimination claims uh, from the, this is from the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice today announced the filing and settlement of a lawsuit alleging racial discrimination against African-American customers by Cracker Barrel Old Country Store, Inc., a nationwide family restaurant chain. In the agreement, memorialized in a consent order filed with the u.s district court of the northern for the northern district of georgia cracker barrel commits to implementing far-reaching changes to policies and practices to prevent discrimination the justice department's complaint alleges that cracker barrel violated title ii of the civil rights act of 1964 by engaging in a pattern or practice of discriminating against african-american customers and prospective customers on the basis of their race or color specifically these are the complaints alleged that cracker barrel did one allowed white servers to refuse to wait on african-american customers two segregated customer seating by race Three, seated white customers before African-American customers who arrived earlier. Four, provided inferior service to African-American customers after they were seated. And five, treated African-Americans who complained about the quality of Cracker Barrel's food or service less favorably than they treated white people who lodged similar complaints. Deep breaths. Who, who, you or me? Me. 
The Justice Department investigation revealed evidence of such conduct at approximately 50 different Cracker Barrel restaurants in seven states. Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. They literally had like Like a sting. There was like a Cracker Barrel sting, yes. And so because of this, Cracker Barrel had to agree to a a five-year agreement. And the five-year agreement ensured that Cracker Barrel would hide what would hire an outside auditor to ensure compliance with five terms, which is adopted, implement an effective non-discrimination policy or procedure, implement new and enhanced training programs to ensure compliance with Title II, develop and implement an improved system for investigating, tracking, and resolving discrimination complaints, retain an outside contractor to test the compliance of Cracker Barrel with all these new policies, and publicize the, co- the company's non-discrimination policies. Fuck Cracker Barrel. But what caused Brad Paisley yes. to partner with Cracker Barrel? And tell me more about the album. So so the album Wheelhouse had a Cracker Barrel exclusive. What caused Brad Paisley to do that? Who the fuck knows? But Money. Money, right? Because Cracker Barrel offered this sweetheart deal. And yet Cracker Barrel had a long history of implementing right. racist Racism. policies which brad paisley probably didn't even know about nor did he give a shit his lawyer should have known about it oh i'm not defending him yeah. but i'm saying he is so committed to knowing fucking nothing there it is about right? current events and the fucking state of the nation and the things he decides that he should be talking about while doing absolutely zero research on the subject but also it's important to remember that this is his audience. This is who he's making music for. And so this the claims that he's like just trying to spark conversation and get re- people really thinking and like opening their minds to different points of view is like complete bullshit. Also, uh, this all happened again with Cracker Barrel in 2006. Oh, did it? Yeah. So in 2006, Cracker Barrel had to pay a $2 million settlement because 51 current or former employees at three Cracker Barrel restaurants in Illinois alleged racist racism, systemic workplace discrimination. Right, because you don't just... You don't just discriminate against your customers. But also, when you have fucking systemic racism in any kind of institution, whether it's the country or Cracker Barrel, it doesn't just get washed away. Paisley is saying, like, we... We are still paying for the atrocities of the past. That weren't our fault. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That aren't happening anymore. Meanwhile, at Cracker Barrel, this place that I'm about to partner with. It's happening. Racism is running amok. Specifically (laughs) happening. Yeah. Yeah. So Cracker Barrel has a people promise on their website currently. It says, we have the responsibility to live up to our mission of pleasing people each day, ensuring that every member of our team and every guest feels at home, feels cared for, like family, and feels like they belong. Also guiding our way is the sense of belonging we strive for. Strive to deliver as part of our people promise. And it goes on and on and on about their values. But in 2020, Cracker Barrel also came under fire for a third, at least a third time, because it appears as though in some of their restaurants, the deck, you know, you've been in a side of Cracker Barrel, right? It's like decorated with all this kitschy shit. Yeah. It, It appeared as though from the ceiling were hung nooses. No. Please tell me that's not true. Well, so there's like a, there's like a, okay. 
So this is from Business Insider. And so this is what happened. Someone in East Windsor, Connecticut, went to a Cracker Barrel and saw what looked like a noose, wrote, someone at Cracker Barrel in East Windsor needs to explain why there are nooses on the ceiling. And Cracker Barrel responded, we're sorry that this happened. This is antique electric soldering. This is an antique electric soldering iron. It has an original wrapped cord that should not have been displayed. We have removed the item from our East Windsor store. Many thanks to the guest who notified us so we could correct this error. This happened on November 9th, 2020. Okay, and then what? Nothing. So clearly nothing. Nothing's ever going to happen to Cracker Barrel. Just like nothing's ever going to happen to these racists that just do casual racism all the time. Or fucking Brad Paisley. Or Brad Paisley. Oh, what happened to Brad Paisley? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Sorry, we're, st- we're still on LL Cool J. We have one more dramatic reading uh, to do on LL Cool J. Would you like to be LL or or Rolling Stone? I'll be LL. Your funeral. So six years down the line, in August of 2019, Rolling Stone caught up with LL Cool J and the subject of ac- accidental races came up, finally giving him the chance to clear the air with the benefit of some hindsight. So I'm Rolling Stone, <laughs> Lindsay's LL Cool Why J. do I feel like he's not going to take that opportunity? What did you learn from doing accidental <laughs> races with Brad Paisley? I learned that not everybody is going to get what you're saying. You know, fuck it. I'm not apologizing for it. I believe in what I said. If somebody is crazy enough to think I was suggesting to do some tap dance Amos and Andy shit, then that's on them. You got a lot of heat for saying, if you don't judge my gold chains, I'll forget the (laughs) iron chains in the song. What did people get wrong about what you were saying? I was looking at things from a very dispassionate, intellectual, and efficient way. You're right. (laughs) you can't have a logical conversation with people that are in their feelings i was saying if you don't let your past hold your future hostage you can have a better chance of being successful in the future i didn't hear anything like i didn't hear those words did you Mm -mm. i was trying to humanize the black man to this racist and saying yo he's a human being that you're talking about and if you can get past that Maybe you would look at it differently. And then on the other side of what I was talking about was unconscious bias when you're not aware that you have a bias. So this is the I want to I want to be very specific about the things he's saying. So he has moderated his view. So now he's trying to humanize the black man to the singer of the song, the the narrator of the song, who is a racist, which is not not the thing he was saying six years ago. But he's still he's still like like kind of eggshelling the idea that like this may not have been the best fucking idea. All right. Rolling Stone continues. I thought the point of the song was that people needed to communicate. Without a doubt, man, our song was about the cause and the effect would be a conversation. But you have a lot of people who wanted to act like unconscious bias didn't exist. It hit the third rail of some people's emotions in a way that they couldn't think logically about. What? Mm hmm. LL Cool J is still on NCIS Los Angeles and he has been for 287 episodes. Excellent. And Brad Paisley has been the spokesperson and jingle singer for Nationwide Insurance since 2015, alongside accused sexual assaulter and former (gasps) NFL quarterback Peyton Manning. Great. Now we need to take down Nationwide. Nationwide is definitely not on your side, unless you're a fucking white male. 
True. So today we're going to go out on a sketch from Key and Peel called Is This Country Song Racist? Oh, great. So for those of you who don't know, Key and Peel was a sketch show on Comedy Central from Keegan-Michael Key, star of Schmigadoon, and Jordan Peel, Oscar-winning writer and director of Get Out. Hey, all I know is it's good having another brother move into the neighborhood. Hey, man, it's good to have you over. And I think that you will dig this. All right. Mm-hmm. Hey. Huh? Nice guitar collection. Oh, thanks, man. Hey, you want to hear something? Yeah, sure. All right. All right. Where can people find us on the internet, Lindsay? Find us on the internet at Lyrics for Lunch on Instagram and Twitter or at our website, lyricsforlunch.com. And for longer and weirder stuff, send us an email at lyricsforlunch at gmail.com. I, if you're going to say racist shit to us, just don't. Just fucking don't. Um, but what you should do is like and subscribe us wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review us. Um, Apple Podcasts is the best. But rate, rate and review us anywhere. And tune in next week when we do this all again with another song that hopefully I won't have to ruin for people. This song ruined itself. I didn't do this to this song. Sure. But maybe you go out today and you donate to some anti-racism causes. Yeah. Maybe you do some reparations. Maybe just, like, understand your privilege and understand that your actions affect other people, even if you don't intend them to. Is that too much to ask? Apparently so. Are we being too preachy right now? Bradley. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Aviv Rubenstein. I'm Lindsay Tucker. Saying you're gonna like this one. There's no such thing as accidental racism. Some folks wear their hats way off to the side with their pants down low and a gun tucked inside. Take their beer by the 40 and their chicken deep fried. I think we all know who we're talking about. The only dark I like is when I turn off the lights The only hood I love is pointy and white Can't trust you if I can't see your face at night I think we all know who we're talking about Wait, wait, hey, stop that That's racist What's what? What is racist about it? The only hood I love is pointy and white Yeah, man That's talking about the Klan, man The Ku Klux Klan? Are you outside of your mind? That's traditional country music imagery, man. Like a a pickup truck or sleeping under the stars or your dog got killed or your wife left you. Same thing. I would have been fine with any of those things. What is the difference between those things and what is in the song? They're not racial. Hey, you know what? Can I just say something, man? I'm just going to be frank. You're getting a little like Al Sharpton, like um, Farrakhan on me right now, man. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Dude, dude, please. Hey, give me, you know, can I do one more? Let me just do one more, dog. I absolutely promise you that this song is not racist and it's impossible for you to misinterpret it as such. Okay, it seems like you're about to sing the most racist song so far. I'm not. You're trying to sing about a tire swing. Right off an entire genre of music. The banjos are strumming and the drums are banging. Let's get the boys together and have ourselves a hanging. Oh, damn. Now I see it. Now I see it.